Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, we are continuing on through the season of Advent, and I want you to pause for a moment. I just want you to think about the word season. When you hear the word season, what do you think about? For example, if you were outside coming in, you would probably notice the trees and the leaves. That would be one thing that would indicate a season to you or a change of season to you. When you walk inside and you see that thing there, we call it an Advent wreath. It's not always there. You would know that something's different about being in here. And if you know and notice a little more, you might notice we're wearing purple. And it's not just because I'm a winter and I look good in purple. It's because there's something different about this season than other seasons in the church calendar year. And then when you walk back outside again, the temperature might give you an indication that there's a different season. So when we think about seasons, whether it be inside the church and the church calendar year, or when you're outside in the environment, in the climate, there's things around you that indicate seasons. Well, in the Christian life, When we think about Advent, when we think about the various seasons, oftentimes we tend to make those seasons give our lives a little different emphasis. Like, what does the season of Advent really mean? And what does it mean to my life? Because we talk about that the season of Advent points to Christmas. And in the season of Advent, we're preparing to celebrate the birth of Jesus the birth of Jesus into the world, the birth of Jesus in our own hearts and lives. But when we think of Advent too and we hear the readings of Advent, it also points to the second coming of Christ. So we're mindful of both of those going on in our lives. But then when you come to Christmas, then the emphasis becomes a little different where the colors are now white and we think of Jesus and we think of Jesus coming into the world and there's joy. See, now we like that season. We like to think that we're supposed to always be about joy. In reality, as Christians, we are meant to be a Christmas people. We're meant to be a Good Friday people. We're meant to be an Easter people. We're also meant to be an Advent people throughout all the seasons of life, whatever this life brings us. See, because in a sense, we're living after Jesus was born, and so there should be a sense of joy in our lives. But Advent is, if you will, aiming towards celebrating that, but also about Jesus coming back again. And we should always be mindful of that as well. That Advent isn't just a season where we think about that and emphasize that. It's a life. That we are to live a life of Advent. Always knowing that Jesus is going to return. 
See, sometimes that kind of mindset is difficult for us as Christians. It's difficult for us as people. That long-term mindset, that looking on into the future. See, because we often like to think short-term, don't we? I mean, think about it. You know, if you think about, particularly as children or with your own children, how much we use Santa Claus. Remember, Santa's watching. That's a short-term mindset, right? Because you're not going to use that in January, probably through Halloween at least. And so we tend to use that Santa's coming thing. And we know exactly when Santa's coming. It's either Christmas Eve or it's the wee hours of Christmas morning. So it's a, an exact time, if you will. Whereas Jesus' return, we don't know exactly when. So that's harder for us to get our minds around. And we learn in school early on that life is about cramming. Right? The Christmas break is coming and New Year's is coming. And we know we're going to have tests, so we've got to cram. Because then we know the break is coming. So oftentimes that's our mindset in life. When really the Lord is looking for the whole of our lives. All the time. That we live in the light, if you will, of Christmas. That Jesus, in fact, has come into the world. But also that he's going to come back and we're always ready for that. Our lives are positioned and poised. You know, today it's not just Santa, by the way. It's now Elf on a Shelf, too. Right? See, because we need more reminders to help direct and discipline our children. Because children have become such short-term. Focused on the immediate and not the long-term. We as Christians are in a marathon, not a sprint. Our conditioning... Is ongoing. Our training is constant. Our diet needs to reflect that in our lives. What we take in, if you will. So that we are constant that this is a long-term race that we're in. That we have our mind on the goal of spending eternity with Jesus Christ in His glory. But we are living now in this world. And there's a tension there. That Advent tension. One of the people we run into during this time is John the Baptist. We ran into John the Baptist last week. Martha talked about John the Baptist. And now we've run into John the Baptist again. And what Jesus said about John the Baptist, as Martha reminded us last year, is he's great. Of all the people born to women, Jesus says John the Baptist is the greatest. But you know, when we think about John the Baptist, be honest. What do you typically think about? The guy was weird. Right? Be honest. The way he dressed, he ate locusts, his diet was weird. He was different. Right? We love that word different. Just think about it. When, when you want to not say something negative about someone, what do you say? Well, they're different. Right? What are you really saying when they're different? The reality is, we're all different. 
Look around you. Don't spend too much time doing that. But look around you. We're all different. The way we dress, the way we act. You know, it's funny. When our kids were teenagers, particularly our two older ones, and they were in a bit of rebellion, let's put it that way, and we would deal with them, and then the kids would go, they'd either leave the house or maybe they'd go off to the bedroom, whatever it was. And I would say to Meredith, I, I would say, you know, when I was a kid, I was so different than that. And she said, Greg, you were different. <laughs> and, I, and I wasn't sure whether she was saying that in a positive way or... You know, it's almost like, it's almost like Thumper and Bambi. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. You know, saying someone's different, you're not really saying anything because you don't know what they mean. But John the Baptist was different. And I want you just for a moment, when you think about John the Baptist, forget about how he dressed. Forget about what he ate. And what I want you to think about is his character. I want you to think about how the mindset the heart he lived his life because he was wholly given over to the Lord from early on he got a sense of God's hand on his life God's call on his life and he lived into it the first thing that we read about John the Baptist when we come to John's gospel Is John says, there was a man, and he testified. That's the first thing we read about John the Baptist. He testified. In other words, what John was about early on was he was talking about, as John says in his gospel, he was testifying to the light. That light was the first part of God's creation. That light is about revelation and God revealing himself in his creation. And then what Jesus did when he came into the world is he was revealing the fullness of God in human form. Emmanuel, God with us. That Jesus came into the world to reveal who God is and what God wants us to know about this life and how we should live this life. And more than that, that we're living in darkness and that we need a light to break into our lives and the world around us. And then if you look at verse 29, which is right after the reading here, the next thing that John testifies to is, Behold the Lamb of God. That he's pointing to Jesus as the Messiah, the light who's come into the world. And then he points to the Lamb being the one who is going to be sacrificed for our sin. That this man is going to show us how to live, then he's going to die in our place for our sin and bring us salvation. That's what he's saying right off the bat. That the purpose of John, as he sought in his life, was not to live for himself, but to live to testify to this light that's come into the world, this lamb that's going to be sacrificed, and to make sure that's what his life focuses on. He was an Advent person. We in our day are so much focused on ourselves in so many ways. You know, if you really think about it, John could have been that way. He had a successful 
ministry and how success can go to our heads. And we want people to be about us. We strive in our lives for success in so many ways. Worldly success. John was known by the religious leaders of the land, the Pharisees, scribes, and and the Sadducees. They came out to check him out because he had such a following. Herod the king knew about him. He was a famous guy. He had a successful ministry. That's not always how we think about John the Baptist. And we are so much in our culture about success, personal success. And we want to be celebrated and we want people to focus on us. But you know the reality is today we are conditioning people to that more and more. Do you realize that? I will never forget when Daniel, our middle one, was five years old. He was a little pudge before he became this strapping athlete and soldier. And I remember we're trying to think about what activity would help Daniel in his life and to begin to develop discipline. And he said, I want to do karate. Okay? Fits his personality in so many ways. So Daniel takes karate. The first thing he does is he gets his yellow belt. That's the first stage. He's five or six years old. The trophy that he got for that was taller than he was. I couldn't imagine what he was going to get if he ever got to his black belt. Everybody wants to be a success in the world. Everybody wants to be looked on as being important. We're so focused on self-worth, value. And we forget the real real source of self-worth, of value, of personhood, is the fact that God created you. The fact that Jesus came to die on a cross for you. That's where we gain our true value. And unless we come to that place, we really don't understand that God is ultimately about our eternal success. Not our affirmation in everything we do in this life. Not lifting up me in everything we do in this life. And so John testified In other words, he pointed to another. He said, here's this light that's come into the world. Here's this lamb. The light that shines in the darkness because you live in a dark place. And your heart is full of darkness if you're honest. And this world can be pretty dark at times. And that's why he came. To lift us out of our darkness and to shine as a light in the world. And to die for us. Because He loves us. He also had to say, because of the success that He had, I'm not the Messiah. In our day and age, So many people are filled with ego. There's a messianic complex going on in our culture. That everybody wants to be God's gift. 
And in a sense, we are gifted by God. But there's only one Messiah. And John wanted to make sure from early in his ministry, don't confuse my role. I am not here to be the Messiah. I don't have a messianic complex. This is not about me that I'm doing. I'm not even here to be Elijah or the prophet. Because I don't see myself as famous like that or a legend. I see myself merely as one who's come into the world to point to another. To testify to the Lamb, the light. That's why I've come. John was not about ego. And when we talk about ego today, we often talk about everybody having a healthy ego. When we're filled with people who have ego. And see, there's this hint. There's this hint already going on of John being about emptying himself. Of John being about repentance. The first word out of John's mouth, the first word out of Jesus' mouth, when they began their ministry, was repentance. In order to repent, it means that we need to empty ourselves. That's what repentance really is all about. It's not that we are all totally evil. Yes, we are all sinful. Yes, we all have a broken relationship and many times broken lives. And there's broken lives around us. But the reality is that He just wants us to empty ourselves of ourselves so we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. So that we can come to know His grace. So that we can understand our true value and worth to Him. And live that life, that Advent life, pointing to Him. You know, he goes on to say, I am not even worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. You need to understand the depth of what he's saying here. Jesus modeled the lowliest of the servants when he washed the feet of the apostles in the upper room. And in order to wash feet, you have to take sandals off. And John the Baptist said, I'm not even worthy to do that. Jesus modeled humility and lowliness. Paul writes in Philippians 2, he emptied himself. And he showed it in the upper room. And he showed it when he went to the cross. That he was willing to empty himself, himself for our sake. John the Baptist said, I am lower than that. Because I'm not even able to untie his thong. Mary, who you will encounter next week. Mary, who said, I'm the handmaid of the Lord. Mary, who said, he called the lowliest. And then I'm exalted among women. Why? Because she was empty. Why? Because she was willing to receive the Lord. See, what John the Baptist modeled 
what Jesus modeled, what Mary modeled, was a humility of life, an emptying of themselves. The John and Mary model a willingness to admit, I have a need. But Jesus fills me up. Jesus transforms me. That I live my life for His glory. That I want to shine the light on Him because He is the light of the world. You know, we live in this constant tension of two worlds. The world of me. That the world wants to constantly affirm. You deserve it. You should have it. It's all about you. The world of me. Or the world of Jesus Christ. A world of emptying yourself. So that you might be filled with the Spirit. And if you really understand what Jesus is promising. The fruit of the Spirit. Love and joy and peace. Isn't that what we want? We say we do. But see, it clashes constantly with the world of me. You know, having a side that I also want you to think about right now. And that is just because you're humble. Just because you empty yourself. Doesn't mean that you don't speak boldly and testify to him. I'm not one that tends to hold back. You might have noticed that. But see, neither was John the Baptist. Neither was Jesus. Because they spoke the truth. When you are filled with God's Spirit, when you are seeking to honor God's Word, when you're seeking to live up Jesus Christ, you become a person who is about truth. And you want to speak the truth about the world and about people's lives. And you want to speak about the truth of Jesus Christ. Because we are meant to be people of the truth. So don't confuse. Humble doesn't mean a milk toast. Humble means that you're emptying yourself and you're filled with the Spirit. That you become one who is willing to testify. That you become one who is willing to walk the walk in the face of a culture that says, it's all about me. And live that life. You know, this sermon is entitled, I don't know how many of you looked at it when you came in, Knowing Your Place. That's another one of those that you can take two ways, much like we're different. Knowing your place oftentimes in our culture is used as a put-down. Don't they know their place? Right? When really knowing your place can mean something very, very positive. When you understand who Jesus is and why Jesus came, you understand that He's come to be your good shepherd. Your place is at His side. Your place is following Him. Your place is by the cross that, where you see Him crucified out of love for you. You know, during this season of the year, 
One of the movies, if you haven't already seen it advertised, you will see, is The Wizard of Oz, right? And what does Dorothy say? There's no place like home. He wants you to understand your place is to be home with him for all eternity. So when I say know your place, that his desire for your life is that your place is with him. That first Christmas, the shepherds were out in the field and they heard the messenger saying, glory to God, and they saw the star and they followed the light. They gave up their agendas. They inconvenienced themselves and they came to the side of a baby born in a manger and they knelt and humbled themselves. Wise men from the east, some call them kings, who came with tremendous gifts, who took tremendous time out of their lives because they read the word of God, they studied the stars and they saw the light and they followed to the manger. And they knelt before the manger and they humbled themselves. See, if you really understand what this season is about, that's what this season is about. That because we see the light breaking into the world, our world is turned around. Our focus becomes following the light. Our focus becomes kneeling humbly before Him and giving ourselves to Him. It's easy to be a pew potato. It's easy to come to church and be passive. That's not what he's calling you to. He's calling you to live an Advent life. An Advent life of emptying yourself. Of humbling yourself before him. Of being filled with his spirit. Of giving up your agenda and learning what it means to serve. Learning what it means to testify for the sake of a dark world around us. That's why the light needed to come into the world and shine. That's why the light needs to come into your heart and shine. Understand. Understand. We are called to be those messengers today. That's what the word angel means. Messenger. To testify. We're called to be people of the word. Like the wise men seeking in the word to follow the light. And the question is, do you know this for yourself? Do you know this? Do you believe this? And will you live not only a Christmas life, but an Advent life? Heading to the manger to empty yourself. To be filled with Him. And to testify. Please bow with me in prayer.
Lord, from early in life, we're conditioned. We're conditioned that it's all about me. We're conditioned to live in such a way that draws attention, that brings success. Lord, cause us this day to look at the life of John the Baptist. To look at the life of Mary. To look at the life of Jesus. And as we look at those nativity scenes in our homes, that we might consider the shepherds that we might consider the wise men. That we might consider the light that's come into the world. The one that's come to cast out our darkness. The one that has sent his spirit to fill us. The one that longs for us to know our place by him for all eternity. Lord, make us a Christmas people, full of joy, shining with your light. But also make us an Advent people, always ready for your call to live your life, to love and serve you, and to love and serve others until we see you face to face. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.